slowly but surely, I started getting the message that I needed to take this as an opportunity to just take care of myself. That doesn't sound like a big deal, I think, probably to most people. But the idea that I would have any kind of value to anybody not doing all that work, even to myself, would have this time last year seemed so preposterous as to not even consider it as a serious statement. And now it makes all the sense in the world to me. Hi, I'm Arianna Huffington. Welcome to What I've Learned, an original podcast from Thrive Global sponsored by Audible. In this episode, Van Jones shares what he has learned about self-care over the course of this very challenging year. 2020 was a year of profound change and disruption, and not just because of the pandemic. For those on the front lines of the fight for racial justice, it can be tempting to think that their individual well-being should take a backseat to the greater good. But in fact, when we take care of ourselves, we are so much more effective at creating change. Self-care was actually an important aspect of the civil rights movement. I loved learning that Rosa Parks actually practiced yoga and even demonstrated it at events in Detroit. And as Martin Luther King said in 1954, only through an inner spiritual transformation do we gain the strength to fight vigorously the evils of the world in a humble and loving spirit. So what fuels us for the long fight is stepping out of the storm into the calm eye of the hurricane where we can operate from a place of strength. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today. Van Jones has been fighting that fight for his entire career. In addition to his work on CNN as a host and political commentator, Van is deeply involved in racial and social justice through his off-screen roles as the CEO of the Reform Alliance and the founder of DreamCore. He's been in the trenches creating change for decades. And today he shares with us what he's learned about self-care and activism over the course of this very challenging year. So this is Van Jones. For me, this whole past year of COVID, um, it's been terrible, I know, for a lot of people and terrible externally. But I have to say for myself, there's been a lot of good uh, that's come out of this past year. Breakdowns can lead to breakthroughs if you use them right. First, you got to understand how my life was pre-COVID. I was traveling literally nonstop for years. I sometimes wake up, I wouldn't even know where I was. I have to like look at my calendar to figure out what city I was in. I would have productive days or not productive days. I would have effective days or not effective days. I never had any happy days. That wasn't even on the to-do list. I couldn't even see it. It's like somebody kind of like slowly turned down the dimmer switch on my life. And so when everybody had to get out of the hamster wheel, at first I just kind of tripled down on the work, you know, trying to solve every problem with COVID. And, and frankly, got a lot of good stuff done. The Reform Alliance where I work, you know, we got 70,000 people out of jails and prisons, 70,000, massive number. You know, the federal uh, stuff we worked on, another 14,000 out there. You know, <laughs> I got a lot done. But after a while, I realized like, I was just repeating the same pattern. Just now I could just sit here in this room and just, you know, <laughs> eat crap here and work myself to death here. And it's like, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And slowly but surely... I started getting the message 
that I need to take this as an opportunity to just take care of myself. That doesn't sound like a big deal, I think, probably to most people. But the idea that I would have any kind of value to anybody not doing all that work, even to myself, would have this time last year seemed so preposterous as not, to not even consider it as a, as a serious statement. And now it makes all the sense in the world to me. I get up in the morning, I meditate for 20 minutes, I do some kind of workout. I'm not eating garbage for the first time in my life. And I've been doing yoga and stuff. And I, you know, I can see a little bit of improvement. I posted something on Twitter and I just said I was happy. And uh, I got like 10,000 likes. And that, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Hi, I'm Ariana Huffington. Sleep is the foundation of every aspect of our physical and mental well-being. That's always true. But in extraordinary times of anxiety and stress, getting the sleep we need is more important than ever. Sleep is essential to both a strong immune system and our mental resilience, the very things we need to navigate these uncertain times. That's why we've partnered with Audible, the sponsor of this podcast, to create the Audible Sleep Collection. It's available for free for members and includes bedtime stories, meditations, and extended soundscapes from Nick Jonas, Sean Diddy Combs, and more to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up in the right morning mindset. And stay tuned for a preview of one of my favorite audible sleep experiences at the end of this podcast. So Van and I have known each other for over 20 years and there are about a hundred things we can discuss, whether it's racial justice or climate change or criminal justice reform or the election. But I want to talk to him today about what he has learned during this pandemic year. Uh, I want to talk to you, Van, about um, the self-reflection and internal growth that you've been through this year and about how that connects with your passion for justice, which has dominated your life. So, why don't we start with the biggest lesson of this crucible time, as you have called it? Well, I mean, for me, I learned that I matter, that my health matters, my own joy away from you know, work and mission and calling and trying to help everybody else that I'm worth something, even if you aren't putting me on airplanes all the time, even if you're not putting me in, a, in front of big crowds and uh, you know, hotels and, and Ubers and green rooms and all that kind of stuff. And it's been great. I mean, I, I feel terrible saying it because I know how terrible it's been for people who've lost their, their lives and loved ones and businesses. But for me, it's given me an opportunity to take a huge step back. Obviously, I've you know continued to play my role on CNN and work for justice, but I've also been able to work on myself. And I think it's going to be a, a kind of before and after version of Van Jones. And that's probably connected to what you said about the fact that we need a spiritual transformation within the political revolution. Um, how do you see that? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is going to have to come out the closet. 
as you know people who you know meditate and pray and read scripture and reflect deeply and because when you have this level of disruption and dysfunction and division and just nonsense that's not just a narrowly political problem or a narrowly economic problem or a narrowly public health problem it's a spiritual problem there's a spiritual dimension to this a lack of meaning and love and connection and communion with deeper purposes, higher powers, nature itself, uh, future generations, ancestors that we should be trying to make proud of us. All of these things have fallen out of the public conversation in the name of kind of banishing fundamentalisms and spookerisms and anti-science. We've thrown the baby out with the bathwater in the most obvious way. And so now when you don't have meaning, you don't have connection and what you do have is an app and what you do have is stress. And so I decided to get off the treadmill, get out of the hamster wheel and try to learn how to eat better food. And my yoga style has been called rigor mortis. <laughs> it's not, it's not, not, uh, not very good. And so I've just been been, uh, I've been meditating, I've been praying, I've been eating better. You know, frankly, also, Ariana, you know, I still get a chance to do the speeches and that kind of stuff, but I'm not spending a whole day getting there and a whole day getting back. Because of the Zoom world, I can just literally walk downstairs, do the speech, and, and then go back to, to doing something else. And so by removing a lot of the travel, um, I've, got, I've gotten a bunch of time back. And at first, as you know, I was using that time just to triple down, quadruple down on more campaigns, more of this COVID, et cetera. We can talk about all that. But more recently, I decided that um, I wanted to use that time for myself. Well, first of all, I so identify with that. I Not traveling has been an incredible gift and blessing. And um, what you're saying about that uh, connection with a deeper part of yourself, you know, is something that, I've always believed is the big missing piece in our culture and in our lives. And uh, talking about it is the first step. I love what you said about coming out of the closet, discussing it, uh, because we all have it. We all have that longing. And uh, when we talk about it, when we find steps to reconnect with that part of ourselves, it makes the conversation and the culture so much richer. So why don't we get kind of granular and talk about a few specific things that also people can take away with them. Just the fact that you mentioned eating better and sleeping more and meditating, all that that comes under the category of self-care. And I love the fact that it was part of the civil rights movement. So it's not like a new discovery. It's a self-care as a way to actually sustain ourselves during the big struggle and recognize it's a marathon and not a sprint. So what about some of the things that you are doing and how have you integrated into your daily life? Well, you know, I grew up in the rural South on the edge of a small town called Jackson, Tennessee. So I grew up on that classic American diet of, you know, from the 70s and 80s of more fast food and frozen food. And, and frankly, COVID was a big wake-up call for me because, you know, they, they were, you know, you know Ariana, <laughs> the mainstream media at the beginning, they're saying like, 
well, you know, it's for people who are very old and people who have comorbidities. And I was like, well, I ain't got a, no, but no doctor told me I had a comorbidity, so I'm good. <laughs> like, it took a while to understand that, like, comorbidities is like half of what black people have, you know, hypertension, diabetes, prediabetes. I was like, oh, wait, wait, that's me. And suddenly I realized, wait, I'm going to be a snack for this virus. I mean, this is, <laughs> this virus is like, going to look at me like a McDonald's and just drive right on up. And I just started to develop a different taste for things and recognizing that I do feel better. And I was able to get more work done eating better and, you know, getting a little cardio in, a little walking, you know, it feels better. But over the course of the past year, I found a peace inside of myself that I haven't had before. And it comes from eating better. It comes from walking. It comes from getting a little cardio in. I I give myself a point system. So I give myself one point if I meditate. I give myself one point if I either do yoga or lift weights. And I'm sending these subtle signals to myself that I matter. And so then what happens is I'm not needing the work to give me my self-esteem. I'm not rising and falling on the waves of public adulation and criticism. Like I have my own campfire that I can sit around myself <laughs> and, 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 and draw some love from and some strength from. And I think my work is probably better. But even if it's not, I don't care. I feel better, you know, than I've ever felt. I think it's important to stress that point that uh, actually I believe your work is better. Uh, There is something connected between taking care of ourselves in these small, tangible, daily ways and the work we do and how sustainable that work is. And I think that's very important because a lot of what stops people from taking care of themselves, people who, like you, care so much about the world and changing the world and reducing suffering, and there is so much suffering around, a lot of what stops people from doing that is that they think it's self-indulgent to take care of themselves and that these are systemic problems, which they are. So in a sense, what you are saying is it's not either or. Of course, these are systemic problems. And of course, we need to solve the food deserts and the racial injustice. But what can we do right now, this moment? And, and also, Ariana, my self-hatred is a part of the system. Me not taking care of myself, setting myself up to not get through my 50s without some major health event, that's a part of the system too. We've been trained, all working class, middle class people, especially if you're a person of color, especially if you're a woman, your value comes from working your butt off and you know how hard you can work and, and how much you can sacrifice and give to others and be there. And there's a, there's a good part of that. That's a positive thing. But there's a shadow of self-hatred uh, of, of, you know, would you treat somebody else the way you're treating yourself? Would you talk to somebody else the way that you, tra- you talk to yourself? Would you deny somebody else things you're denying yourself? Well, then that's self-abuse. And that's a part of the system we need to change as well. Listen, I would have been the number one person 10 years ago saying this is a bunch of crap, but I, I, I see it differently. The other thing too is that if you don't give it to yourself in the honest way up front, then you're going to steal it in some dishonest way. You're going to find yourself vegging out on Netflix. You're going to find yourself you know, indulging all kinds of addictions, um, whether it's food or whether it's sex or whether it's you know, alcohol or whatever it is. We're not fooling anybody here, guys. You know, we have needs um, and they can be met in a very beautiful way 
or they can be met in a very destructive way. And for you, part of that Marie condoing your life in a way, taking things out of it that were not really bringing you closer to everything you love and value about yourself was around friends, right? You let go of some friends who were not really um, bringing you closer to what matters in your life. Tell us about that. Well, you know, it goes all the way back to when I first met you, ironically. You know, I was living in the Mission District. I was, you know, classic, you know, activist lifestyle, sleeping on a futon on the floor in a, in a flat with a bunch of other activists and my cats and just, you know, doing all kind of, you know, protesting the cops and you know, which some of my, my best work. But, um, you know, there's always a lot of drama. And I think you said, you know, a lot, all drama and no plot. Like, what? <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> and, and it just struck me as such a, such a funny way to put it. But I... And uh, and you pointed out even then that um, you thought that I had a lot of people around me who maybe were uh, you know, dysfunctional, and I couldn't hear it at that time. I, I just thought, well, you know, hey, you know, we're out here changing the world. A big part of life is knowing how to hire people and knowing how to fire people at a, at a spiritual level, knowing how to make room to bring people in uh, who can really enrich you and nourish you, and knowing how to let people go in a good way who. Um, are not not good for you, and maybe you're not good for them. So yeah, look, I'm gonna tell you right now. If you still got the same friends now that you had five years ago, either you got some amazing friends or you ain't growing because <laughs> uh, it's, it doesn't work that way. And uh, you you just say that life is you're on a train and you're going to see God, and you look out the window. And sometimes the scenery is beautiful and sometimes it's ugly, but the train moves on. Wow, you remember that. That's my that's my affirmation, yeah. um, which I repeat many times a day. And it says, I'm on a train going home to God, enjoying all the scenery along the way. And that's such a reminder for me because I love train journeys that even the most beautiful train journey in the Swiss Alps or wherever has junk along the way. (laughs) And the question is not to cling to the junk or to the pain Mm -hmm. uh, around the junk. Or to 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 the beauty. To the beauty, yes. It's all about the movement. And, you know, that's also connected to one of the things that, has been such a central part of your work, and I think is more important than ever, and this is the focus on redemption. I watched the Redemption Project, the series you did for CNN with my younger daughter, Isabella, and it was truly one of the most extraordinary things we did together during COVID. And the reason it's so important is because it brings together what liberals talk about, you know, criminal justice reform should be about restorative, not retributive justice. And yet, contrasting that with a cancel culture, where we don't give people the chance to redeem themselves, all that for me is so connected because what you said about connecting with a deeper part of ourselves is really a birthright for everyone. And it's up to us to see how we can connect with that. So how can we bring this concept of redemption, which has been so central in the lives of all our great heroes, whether it's Nelson Mandela or Dr. King, uh, how can we bring it into our daily lives and realize 
how interconnected that is. The, the biggest problem people have is that they can't forgive themselves. That's the thing. Once you are able to look in the mirror and think about all the ways that you've fallen short of your own highest ideals and do so every day <laughs> and develop the capacity to hold yourself accountable to do better, but also to forgive yourself for you know, the crime of being human. If you're doing your own work, you can always find a path. You know what? I, I've allowed myself to indulge outrage and, and othering. I've been desperate and done things that doesn't make any sense, maybe not as, as spectacularly. And it's it, people who don't know about it, you know, we talked to eight people who had done really, really bad things, you know, drunk drivers, people had shot people. And we found the people that they had hurt. And then we interviewed the person who had made the horrible decision. We interviewed the person who had been injured by that or the surviving family member. And then we just put them together and filmed them talking. And literally Kleenex called us and said they want to sponsor the show. Is that emotional? <laughs> uh, literally, they'd be show. And you can actually, you can go to the Dream Corps website and you can watch the whole thing for free. But for me, um, we have to forgive each other. We're going to be here in the same house together. America is the only house where all of God's children live together. And we don't have the option to fail here. We don't have the option to divorce here. This is the one place we have to make it work because if we can make it work here, it shows the whole world how to get it done. And so we're going through a tough time. But um, the loud voices, I think, get a lot of attention. Um, and the quieter voices maybe don't have as much confidence. But I think we're going to have to grow the confidence among those of us who know better. Van, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing your own inner journey, your own spiritual journey, and your own journey away from crappy food <laughs> and towards more uh, moving and exercising. Thank you for bringing all that together and helping us all on this journey. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Ariana. Thank you for all your leadership. And, you know, you, to, to lead, it means to go first. Um, and you've gone first in so many areas of life, you know, all the things that you've done from Huffington Post to, to Thrive, and also cherishing what is meant to be cherished. God put us here to love each other and to love creation and to love the Creator. And Thrive has that deep in the DNA of what you're talking about is something I think that people on both sides of the aisle can and should embrace. And I'm just proud to be your friend. Thank you so much for joining me, Van, and thank you for all you're doing. And before we wrap up today, we close each episode with a micro-step inspired by the conversation that you can take with you. Coming off of our discussion of social media and how our world has an abundance of data and a scarcity of wisdom, one of my favorite micro-steps is to set a new cut-off time at the end of the day. That cut of time might even come before Van shows on CNN, but you can always watch them in the morning and while exercising, which is what I like to do. Of course, being informed helps us feel more prepared in the middle of a public health crisis, but putting healthy limits on our media consumption can help us put the stressful news into perspective and even better get a recharging night's sleep so we'll be more effective at everything we do the next day. Thank you for being with us today. Join us next time on the What I've Learned podcast, sponsored by Audible.
People don't believe me when I tell them I go to sleep every night to the sound of Sean Didi Combs. But it's true. And you can too with a sleep meditation from Didi called Honor Yourself. It's part of Thrive's collaboration with Audible to create sleep experiences that will deliver your best sleep during this difficult time. The stories have no beginning, middle, or end, so you won't stay up to hear what happens next. Here, Didi guides you through a relaxing and reassuring meditation that will allow you to say goodbye to the day and wake up refreshed and ready to take on the challenges of the next one. It's time to slow down and into a period of deep, restorative rest. This is Diddy. I'll be guiding you through a meditation that will help you slow down and drift off into the peaceful, restorative sleep that you deserve. We're going to start by setting a vision for our time together. Before you start anything in this life, you want to have a vision of yourself experiencing that thing. And right here, right now, your vision is of you in a non-judging, effortless, calming state of sleep. If you are not asleep yet and want to hear this sleep track in its entirety, go to audible.com slash thrive to start your free trial tonight.